All right. So we're continuing on with this series that I started on our first Sunday, June 4th. Thank you to Pastor Aaron for preaching for us last Sunday. We're going to continue talking about what it looks like to follow the way of Jesus together, to be on this journey of faith together. We started... uh, two weeks ago, orienting our conversation to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. So I'm going to read those to us again, and you can follow along on the screen. This is 1 Peter chapter 2. Did I forget to put it in there? Oh, there it is. Okay. I wouldn't have put it past me if I forgot. So church, you can follow along on the screen. Hear the word of our Lord. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Can I get an amen? Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. So we orient ourselves to that text because Peter was so careful with his language to really portray that we are not individuals out here on our own trying to do this Jesus thing. We are called to be a people together on a journey following the way of Jesus. And so two weeks ago, these were the things that we highlighted. Number one, we are followers of the way of Jesus. Together, that is our goal, is to follow King Jesus. And as a result of following King Jesus, we live cross-shaped lives. Lives that are defined by the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. So we talked about that first week that when we take up our cross and follow Jesus, we are really owning the weight of extravagant love. When we say yes to following Jesus, we are saying yes to a way defined by extravagant love. The second thing we talked about was we're on this journey together. You're going to get real sick of hearing me say that. So we're on this journey together, and really, that is the most biblical thing we could do because we traced it throughout the whole of Scripture that the people of God have always been a together people. The third thing we talked about that first week is that we have the extreme privilege to invite others to join us on this journey. So in August, just to give you a little uh, foresight, something to get excited about, we will dive into a sermon series that will linger for quite a while as we answer the question, what does it look like to follow the way of Jesus? What is the way of Jesus? What kind of things do we see in Christ that we're to emulate? But the next few weeks... We're going to talk about what happens on this journey together. So if you'll go with me, this first thing that I'm going to point out, and then we'll look at some scripture, is this. As we journey with Jesus together, the natural reaction is, read that word out loud with me. 
transformation. I just had to make sure you were really ready to go. Amen? As we journey with Jesus together, the natural reaction is, church, transformation. Paul is a great example of this. Paul's conversion story in Scripture is an amazing example of transformation. Let's look at it together, and I'm going to invite you to stand in honor of reading God's Word today. And as we read this text, I want to remind you, if you're unfamiliar, that Paul will be referred to as Saul in this story but we are reading Paul's story. And I will also warn you, we are reading lots of scripture, but God's words are better than my words. Amen? (laughs) All right, so you can follow along as we read. Church, hear the word of our Lord. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, He was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talking about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up 
and was baptized. After he, afterward, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. The word of our Lord. You can be seated. What a story, church, of transformation. If you've heard that story a few times, my prayer is that today it might be fresh. So let's just look at that story and recognize this. When you truly encounter the living God, you cannot help but be transformed. Let me say it again. When you truly encounter the living God, you cannot help but be transformed. Somebody can testify, I know. And Paul is such an example of this. It's really quite incredible. Through God's transforming power, Paul went from persecutor of the church to the persecuted preacher. Notice the shock in verses 21 and 22. The people are like, y'all, are you kidding me? This is the guy that was straight up dragging us to prison, killing us one by one, and now he's over here like proclaiming Jesus. And then they're like, I think this is legit. Incredible. Their shock was so deep. People who knew Paul, knew his reputation, Once they saw the change, they could not refute that noticeable change. Now this text we just read is a a great one to study verse by verse, but today we're really taking a flyover view, a big picture view of this story of transformation. As I said, the first thing that I want us to note together is that as we journey with Jesus together, The most natural reaction is transformation. That means that as we together journey with Jesus, we should be being transformed. And if we aren't church, we are doing something wrong. Transformation is the most natural reaction to a life lived with Jesus. Paul, again, amazing example. The trajectory of Paul's life was radically changed by his encounter with King Jesus. I wonder if somebody in here can testify to the fact that your life was headed in one direction, and when you met King Jesus, it switched directions. Praise God. 
I want to read a quote from one of my favorite commentaries, but the author of this commentary said it this way of Paul's life. His life drastically changed in its mission and direction due to that encounter. And don't you know that's what happens to us? As we journey together, following the way of Jesus, our mission and our direction is radically changed day by day. So Paul is one of the many stories in Scripture which shows us the ongoing impact of encounters with Jesus. It's interesting, Paul, as many of you will be aware, but maybe some of you aren't, that Paul wrote a number of the books that we read in the New Testament. And Paul was so confident in this transformation. You see it everywhere in his letters to the churches. But in, in his letter to the Philippian churches, he said this. If you'll follow along on the screen, this is Philippians 1, verse 6, and then verses 9 through 11. Paul said this, And I am certain, say certain, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Verse 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on, what's that word? Growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God, the word of our Lord. Paul had this sense of confidence about the work that God was doing in the people of God. His words give us some insight into the nature of this transformation that we're talking about. You see, when we journey with Jesus, transformation is an ongoing, gracious work of God in us. When we journey with Jesus, transformation is an ongoing, that's the word I want you to notice, an ongoing, gracious work of God. Paul was confident that this God that they served, this King Jesus that they were following, would indeed do what he set out to do in us. That they could be confident in that. Paul was also confident that the work God intended to do in them was transformation. And out of that transformation comes the mission of the kingdom in our world. So let's draw an important conclusion together. As we've looked at Paul's life, because this is an ongoing thing, this means that our transformation begins at the moment we give our lives to King Jesus. And church, it continues until the day we see King Jesus face to face. Amen? 
That means, church, one of Satan's best tools against the people of God is making us think we have arrived. That we're good. That we have been cleaned up. Whew. False, right? You're giggling because you're like, yeah, that's definitely not true. None of us in this room would ever think that. But this reminder today compels me to stay humble in my journey. Amen? That as I journey with Jesus, that there is always, always a guarantee that the Spirit of the living God has something to do in me as I journey with you. Amen? So this work continues. And so church, I'm, I'm giving away a posture that I hope to maintain as a lead pastor, and it's this. Our gatherings as a together people will be oriented towards encounters with King Jesus that lead to transformation. So our gatherings as a together people will be oriented towards encounters with King Jesus that lead to transformation. Because I just feel like if we are not a people on a journey together being transformed, we are wasting our time. And so, to me, everything that we do should be oriented to coming face to face with the King of Kings in such a way that we cannot help but be transformed. Every Sunday worship service, every small group, every outreach that we do should be set up in such a way that it is formational to the core for us as the people of God. That even as we are extending our hands out into the community, yes, we are being the gracious, compassionate work of King Jesus, but we are also being transformed as we do so. Amen? So as we together on this journey commit to surrender to the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, my hope is that you'll join me in posturing our hearts in that way, that every time we gather as Bentonville Community Church, the aim is our formation. Are you in it with me? Amen? Let's notice another thing about Paul's story. This is really key. The point is this, Paul's transformation and ministry was born within community. Paul's transformation and ministry was born within community. Now, I'll admit, when I first read this story, I don't notice this. But as I was reading commentaries, I was like, it's so, it's so clear even Paul's transformation was embedded within the community of faith. If you go back to the text, you'll notice in, in verse 10, we see God calling Ananias to play a vital role in Paul's transformation journey, which, by the way, his response is hysterical, right? He's like, now, now, Jesus. Hmm, that's cute because Paul is on a mission to kill people like me. 
And Jesus is like, sorry about you, do it anyways, <laughs> right? No, Jesus is like, I will make a way. I am your protector, your provider, sustainer. I will empower you to do it. Now get going, right? And Paul does it. And I'm just reminded of Proverbs 27, 17, which says, as iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. Like it or not, church, we desperately need one another in this journey of transformation. Paul, one who would become this epic leader in the church, his transformation and ministry was born out of community. Now I want to take a little side moment here and just point out this is a little bit of a pet peeve. Are we relationally connected against... The, the, can I share a pet peeve with you? <laughs> We're talking about how we need one another in transformation, right? Church, this is not the encounters that I'm talking about where your closing line is, sorry, not sorry. Do you know what I'm talking about? You all are like not looking around because you're like, mm-mm. Mm -mm. But I know, I've been a part of the church for a while. These sorry, not sorry conversations where what really just happened is you got sinful and said something hateful that was truthful, and to make yourself feel better, you said sorry, not sorry, right? Come on, am I right? So, so let's be real. Sometimes the sin of others is formative. But church... Well, let me say this. If you're ever going into a conversation and your posture is this sorry, not sorry posture, stop. You're probably not the one to have that corrective conversation. You know what I'm saying? I see some head nods. Y'all know what I'm talking about. No, not these moments of look at this jab I can get in in the name of Jesus, but this choice to live lives where we are vulnerable with one another. We are encouragers of one another. We are accountable to one another. We are in the trenches with one another, following the way of Jesus together. And when that's our posture, those difficult conversations become more like, Jeanette, can I, can I use you as an, as an example? Jeanette, I get it. You know, I've struggled with that too. Let's journey through this together. Let's kick it, let's kick it in the tail together. You're not alone. I'm with you. None of this sorry, not sorry stuff, okay? Do you notice the posture difference of being on a journey of grace together with one another? Truthfully, Jeanette, I was going to call my husband out again, and I felt like I needed to give him a break. Okay, so, okay, yeah, got you. So Paul's transformation and ministry was born within the community. Additionally, let's look at how his ministry begins. If we read verses 17 through 19 again, it said this. So Ananias, despite his 
hesitation, went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and regained some strength. Can I get an amen? And then it says, look at, let, read that last sentence out loud with me. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Do you notice that? I just fly right past that when I read that story. But before Paul was released on this mission that literally upended the church in a good way, he was in communion with the saints of the faith, being fed and nurtured as they journeyed together. Isn't that beautiful? So his world-changing ministry was birthed out of this communion of faith, this shared journey with people following the way of King Jesus together. So church, have I convinced you yet? We're stuck with one another. Can I get an amen? We are stuck. All of this matters deeply. Not only because living the best life God has for us, a transformed life is truly the best, but also this next point is super key. This is the final point I'll make today. Evident transformation is the best invitation to join the journey. Evident transformation is the best invitation to join the journey. Let me just put pause, hit pause really quick and say, when we start talking about transformation, it can really become this like, woe is me, I stink because I keep failing and blah, 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 blah. The enemy just loves to kick us while we're down. So let me just remind you, this will be sermon series is to come. But this is a work of the Spirit in us. This transformation is, is born out of a place of surrender to the Lord, and it is a work of God in us. It's not something we labor after and just grit our teeth, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and make happen. It's a work of the Spirit. So breathe a sigh of relief. But evident transformation is the best invitation to join the journey. We've read it a few times now, but I just want to go back to the, the people's shock at Paul again in verse 21 and 22. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked. And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. You know, today we might say something like this. Jenny's life became more and more transformed that the people around here just couldn't miss the proof that Jesus is Lord. Amen? 
evident transformation is the best invitation to join the journey. Paul's transformed life gave credibility to the message of hope he proclaimed. And when we say that, church, we have to flip it upside down and also acknowledge that the opposite is true. An untransformed life discredits the message of hope that we proclaim. But praise be to God, a transformed life gives credit. Amen? I'm being reminded as I preach, it's not in my notes, don't worry, it won't take very long. Of this, that the Lord has compelled me to remember. I hope that everyone in this room who follows the way of Jesus feels compelled to live on mission, right? And see the world saved for Christ, amen? Church, the greatest gift we can give to our community is full surrender to the Lord, which leads to a transformed life. The greatest gift we could give to Northwest Arkansas is to be a church fully surrendered to the work of God in us, constantly being transformed, humbly before King Jesus saying, do a work in us and send us out. I'm convinced if we would just be, I'm going to get Nazarene on us, if we would just be a sanctified people, people would take notice. The world would finally believe this Jesus thing that we keep proclaiming. And so, church, we surrender once again. Amen? So on this together journey, following the way of Jesus, together, church, we encounter King Jesus. We are transformed through the work of the Holy Spirit, and we invite others to join this journey of hope with us. What a gift. And church, it really is my hope. I I just really think that these Sunday gatherings are vital. It's not just because I'm a preacher and I like to preach. I do. But I really think that the gathering of the people of God is one of the ways that we stay anchored to transformation. Because we come together and we say, God, here we are again, together as the people of God. We are not alone. We are following King Jesus together. Here's our life. Have your way. And nobody needs to do that alone. Amen? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up and prepare to lead us into a time of reflection. I think I said this two weeks ago. I'm a firm believer in altars, church. I'm, a, I'm, I'm old school in that way. So you can probably count on every Sunday I will open the altars. Is that okay? And I myself will be kneeling at them. And so as... As Pastor Mark and the team leads us into this time of really intentional reflection, may we not rush off, but may we just pause together and think about this call to follow the way of Jesus together and be transformed together. So let's be reminded of what we've talked about today 
As we journey with Jesus together, the natural reaction is transformation. Amen? There is this reality that God is never one to force us into anything. And so while transformation is 100% the work of the Spirit, we have to make the step of surrender. We have to say, God, I'm in. And you know what? We have to say that every morning, every moment, every day. And so maybe today you just acknowledge that you really don't have, an, have open hands and a humble heart. And that you just need to say to King Jesus again, I'm all in. Here I am. I've been resistant to your transformation, but here I am. The next thing we talked about is when we journey with Jesus, that transformation is ongoing. It's the gracious work of God. So maybe today we need to admit that we've gotten a little comfy. That God's work in us is never done is something we need to be reminded of. What a perfect time to just surrender to the will of the Lord again. Then we talked about how Paul's transformation and ministry was born within community. And so I wonder, are you on the outside looking in of this church thing? You're here, but you're not really here. Maybe even for good reason, you've became skeptical of the church. And I just have to say, would you give us a shot? Would you let us humbly journey following the way of Jesus together? We'll probably mess up a time or two. But may we be a people that are quick to admit when we're wrong and make it right. Amen? And finally, we recognize that evident transformation is the best invitation to join the journey. And I mean no insult by this, but church, you don't need tracks. You know what I'm talking about? Tracks? Do you even remember them? Yes. Okay. What you need is a transformed life. And the good news is, that is the business of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of our Lord. And so, if you feel compelled to reach the lost, oh, let the Spirit of the living God transform you more and more every day, and people will notice. Amen?